1: You should not let any sin in the church or a hypocrite here or there stop you from finding God in the church. And don't be surprised if a man of God without a title behind his name seeks you out in behalf of God. Or don't be surprised if a woman of God without a title behind her name seeks you out for the cause of God. If you get love from the church from one source, it's because God is reaching out to you.
2: That's Pastor Michael Tanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Keep this telephone number in mind throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time. Once again, that phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Tenko has a message entitled... The Little Maid and the Mighty Man. That's The Little Maid and the Mighty Man, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here is Pastor Michael Oxenteco with today's
1: Reaching Your Heart. I believe based on Scripture, the gospel should be available among the ranks of God's people so that anyone who is faithful to Christ in our church, by their consistent life they witness to the truth that they teach so that every sin that is offered to God in humility can be healed, and someone here can help a person get healed that way. The church ought to be a community of love, not a backbiting association to point out evils in others. Now, there are times the church has to discipline, but it ought to be in love. It's one thing to be a leader in the church. It's another thing to be a man or woman of God in the church. The king was a leader, but he was not a man of God. And when leaders fail, a man or woman of God can prevail every time if that man or woman of God is loyal to the word of God, second kings five eight But when Elisha the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, "Why have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the door. Of Elisha's house. Imagine the strange journey in this mighty man's mind. It all started with a raid that took a little maid away from the land of Israel. That little adventurer is the turning of the tale here. World history is affected by that single event. And this little maid became the servant of his wife in time. A talkative little maid that made a difference in his house. She spoke of hope. She spoke of God. She spoke of prophets in her land with answers that really work. And she spoke of a cure at the hand of a prophet in her land, a man of God. And so the mighty man went to his king because the little adventurer shared her faith with him. And his king sent him away to the king of Israel with gifts so the mighty man could be healed. But here's the paradox. The king of Israel had less faith in the king from the kingdom the mighty man had left behind. That is amazing. So by degree, the mighty man finds his way to a man of God. You see, sometimes we make it hard in the church for people to turn to God because we need to turn to God ourselves first, right? Right? I'm right, okay. Okay. And we've all been there. At some point in our life, we've been the person we're talking about right here. The mighty man is seeking God in a land where God's people don't know God, but it's God's land. That's unfortunate, but nonetheless true. And so the real tragedy in the story is the king who lives in the land that should have known better, that should have been able to provide leadership at the onset to help this man. But hallelujah, God loves his people anyway. And he loves the people who are trying to come to him in spite of it. The poor conditions among his own people. God works anyway. That's the story here. And he always finds a way for the person who persists. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Is that not true? Do we have snails today? We do. Okay. We have to assume that snail got on the ark. He just kept at it until he got on the ark. Okay. Now look. If you feel discouraged because some people have spoken unkind to you in the church, it's very possible you've met someone who's either has a fault of character or someone who may need converting. It could be one of the two. Good people can make mistakes. But you shouldn't script your whole life journey with Christ around such a thing. Naaman could have given up. He had plenty of reasons to based on that king. As soon as he asked to be healed, he ripped his clothes. Great greeting from Israel. He could have blamed the church for the lack of faith inside the church. He could have looked to the fact that the king didn't care a lick about him and that his kingdom was an unfavorable place to be if you were a seeker after truth. But he didn't do this. Naaman came to God anyway. And that's exactly what you should do if you're seeking God in your life. You hear me? You should not let any sin in the church or a hypocrite here or there stop you from finding God in the church. And don't be surprised if a man of God without a title behind his name seeks you out in behalf of God. Or don't be surprised if a woman of God without a title behind her name seeks you out for the cause of God. If you get love from the church from one source, it's because God is reaching out to you. You ignore the other stuff. God's working on that. And so the man of God sought Naaman out in spite of the king. We call that active missionary endeavor, really caring for people for their sake, not yours. A soul winner seeks people out who need to be saved because a soul winner cares about that person. When Naaman finally comes to Elisha's door, it looks like Elisha doesn't care any more than the king does. On the surface, it looks like more of the king in the prophet. You would expect the prophet to come out and say something in this upside-down kind of kingdom. But he doesn't say anything to Naaman. It looks like he snubs him. Look at verse 5. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Now this mighty man knew of the mighty river Euphrates. It's called the Great River. He knew of the River Tigris. It's called the Great River Once in Daniel 10. The River Jordan was a little mud hole that emptied into a briny sea called the Dead Sea stuck in an upside-down kingdom called Israel. And it went down to Jordan. It was a do-nothing river and a know-nothing upside-down kind of land as far as he was concerned. To make matters worse, the prophet said, wash seven times. That would imply that the mighty man was real dirty and perhaps a little smelly too. Now at this point, Naaman has had it with this whole journey into Israel thing. So much for this upside down kind of kingdom spoken of by the little maid. Annie is in the hot seat. 2 Kings 5.11 But Naaman was angry. He went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abna, Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. No, that's not anger. That's real anger. I mean, he has been putting up with this stuff till finally he loses it. And he's red as a turnip and he's going home. Going home. Now, Naaman had expected a marvelous display of divine power from the prophet. The little maid had set him up. He had come to believe that the God of Israel could do it through a prophet. He was waiting for the miraculous moment, for the religious experience to be just right, and for the miracle of tomorrow to flow from the magic of the hand of the man who stood for God and who called on the name of the Lord. You can hear the drama in his expectation. Wave your hand and call on the name. Shazam! Cured, Right? Isn't that what prophets are supposed to do? But you know, the prophets are not about magic. And the prophets aren't showmen either. The prophets are about God. And the prophets are men of God or women of God, if so called. And God is a humble God. And the prophet knew that day that if he went out and he spoke to the mighty man, all the mighty man would remember was the prophet. And that's not the goal of the prophet. The prophet points to God. And so he sent a messenger and told him to go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Go wash in a place where only God can heal you with no prophet around. The word of the prophet sends you to God, not the prophet. Now let's face it. There are times in life when God sends a messenger to you. And the messenger doesn't seem to match what you expect from God, right? You don't like the way the truth comes to you. Not the way you expected it. Perhaps the message seems a little boring. Or perhaps the messenger is a boring to hear. And so you're tempted to weight the message by the circumstances or the presentation that surrounds the message. And you're tempted to not believe the content of the word of God. Because it didn't come the way you wanted it to come. Or expect it so. Friend, that's the test that comes to every man and woman who is called to wash in the river Jordan. God calls the sinner sick with leprosy to wash in a muddy river on God's terms and not his or hers. The mighty man had been through a lot and you can almost feel sympathy for him. But at this point, the story shifts to Naaman's servants who spent a lot of energy helping the mighty man come to a God they didn't even know. They become missionaries in the cause of God. It's really amazing. When you've tried real hard in your life and you give up without doing what the prophet told you to do, Maybe deep inside of you, you'll ask the question, what if I had done what God said? That question will eat you alive for the rest of your life if you don't humble yourself to do what the prophet said. If you don't follow God's word, you'll always wonder, what would have happened if I had? Now up to this point in time, Naaman, even though he was a leper, he didn't know that there was a leprosy on the inside that needed to be washed away, not just on the outside, At that moment of truth, it has surfaced and all his servants can see it. Naaman's real weakness is now here. It's out in the open. The mighty man of Syria, for all his strengths in war, for all of his accomplishments, he was really a weak man who was sick with more than a skin surface disease. He was broken up and scattered inside and he needed to be gathered to God. He had the disease of pride and self-confidence. Pride and self-confidence. To be healed, Naaman must humble himself before his army. He must humble himself before his nation, his king, the upside-down kingdom of Israel, and yes, that king that tore his clothes. He must humble himself in a different kingdom, a different land, and do what the God of that land tells him to do. Naaman must recognize that God cures a man or woman on God's terms, in God's way, and not his. 2 Kings 5.13 But his servants came near and said to him, My father, if the prophet had commanded you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather then when he says to you, Wash and be clean.
2: You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget, at the end of today's broadcast, we have a special book for you. We'd love to be able to give that to you, so stay tuned to find out more about that at the close of today's Reaching Your Heart. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again.
1: Friend, many a man or woman does the same thing with a baptism that never happens. They want God to cure them, but they don't want to be baptized on God's terms and join the church with real commitment so their sins can be washed away. We call that conversion. Only God can affect a change in a life that's true and real. You know, I'll be frank with you, having baptisms just to have them is not what it's about. You hear me? I don't care what some statistician wants from our church. hundred baptisms, who cares? I want converted people in the kingdom of God. So when a person's baptized, we've got to put a huge effort in discipling them. They must learn to share their faith, to be faithful to the church and their stewardship, to use their spare time in sharing Christ with others, not just coming to church then going home and watching junk on the television or drinking stuff out of the cabinet that the Word of God condemns. This is not what it's about. That's an undiscipled person. Now, I'm glad people like that come here. I was a person like that many years ago. We're not for the grace of God. It could be that way today, okay? So we're not talking down to people. What I'm saying is the purpose of evangelism is to bring people to live like Jesus and love Jesus, right? Not by works, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, And we can't manipulate that. That has to happen when a heart is broken and chooses God. I've been spitting about something that's none of your business, but something deep within my own life from many years ago with a deep sense of remorse and sorrow. You know, when we walk with Christ, we have times of discipline in our lives. We must look within and let the Lord speak to us. And it's a good thing. And to do that, we've got to humble up. We cannot be proud before God and pull that off. 2 Kings 5.13, they spoke to him. My father, you know, if he'd asked you to do something easy, you would have. But why didn't you? Many a man or woman does the same thing with baptism. They just don't do it. They want God to cure them on their terms instead of God's. Jesus had this to say at the end of the Gospel of Mark, in Mark 16.15-16, plain language, And he said to them, his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole world or the whole creation. The gospel is the truth of God's word, the truth of Jesus as our Savior based on the prophets. The next verse, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It's that basic, that basic. Your entire life change flows out of that decision rightly made for Christ Wash and be clean is still the message for the day. 2 Kings 5.14 So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Nothing dramatic here. He just suddenly got cured. You'll notice there's not a long train of medical examiners looking at him. There's not a long travel through psychoanalysis. He simply made clean. By the word of God. The language is real clear here. The mighty man washed seven times according to the word of the man of God. When he let the word of God work for him, his skin was restored like a little child. When he trusted the word of God like a child, he became a child of God. Perhaps Jesus had this in mind when he told the disciples the same sacred truth. Mark ten fifteen. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The Word of God made all the difference in the life of Naaman that day. He had to humble himself to receive the power of God's Word, and so do we. Friend, it works the same for you and me as it did for him. The Word of God is the power for a changed life. Some people say, well, Pastor Mike, I thought it was really the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit does work. Don't misunderstand me. You know how the Holy Spirit works? Through your Bible. The Word of God is what the Holy Spirit chooses is the conduit of power to change your life. So that when you have a changed life, it's not based on how smart you are, it's not based on what someone said to you or how good a preacher you had or anything other than God's seed of the Word producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Now look at 1 Peter one twenty three. You have been born anew, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. And what's the seed? Through the living and abiding Word of God. That's why Naaman had to go to Israel. He needed a prophet to give him the word of God. Verse 24: For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord, what does it say? Abides forever. forever. Now, I want to live forever. The word of the Lord lives forever. That word is the gospel, the good news which was preached to you. Wash and be clean. Get baptized. Accept the word of God on God's terms, not your terms. Friend, when you humble yourself and you believe God, God reveals himself to you in the word that makes you clean. 2 Kings 5.15 Then he returned to the man of God. He and all his company... And he came and he stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives whom I serve, now Elisha speaking here, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman has just moved from polytheism to monotheism. From many gods to the one true God. Not his God. That upside down kingdom's God. And the one God he recognizes here is the God of that crazy kingdom the little maid spoke of. That's now his God. A great change has occurred in his life. Elisha refuses to take a gift so he can drive the point home that heaven is a gift. It is free. That salvation cannot be earned. You can't buy favor with God. That pardon from sin and washing that makes you clean comes after seven times, meaning the seventh day rest of the Sabbath, of the covenant of creation. It comes when you rest in what God can do for you and you can't do for yourself. You can't pay God back. So he says, No, no, No gifts please, no money, go home healed. The God of heaven loves you. When God visits you with grace in your life, friend, look into his face and accept that gift that is free but costly for him, the gift of his son on the cross of Calvary. And so the mighty man came to grips that day with a truth that is mightier than him. Through the abiding word of God, he was washed clean. And he learned that God saves the sinner from the leprosy deep within. At this point, facing the man of God, Naaman only asks for one material thing from him. The little maid told the mighty man that he would be gathered from his leprosy. Not cured, but gathered. A piece of land is what he wants. A piece of that crazy upside-down kingdom to take home. To take it back to his land. To put it right there. To remind himself and all his family, his wife and that little maid that they belonged to another kingdom and another land, an upside-down kingdom of grace that gathered him into the true God, that mended the brokenness of his life, that washed away his leprosy, but gathered him by the river Jordan where he was washed and made clean. 2 Kings 5.17, And Naaman said, If not, I pray you, let there be given to your servant two mules' burden of earth. For henceforth your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. And in this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon your servant's manner. He says, I'm not worshiping him. I'm just standing next to my king. And he said to him, go in peace. The man who left his land for a cure to be found in an upside-down kind of kingdom returned at last to his house, his wife, and the little maid who made a huge difference in his life, an adventurer for God. The little maid who was driven from her land to make a difference in a foreign land saw the mighty man coming home to her with two mules carrying earth from her homeland, a land she would never stand upon again. Why did he bring that earth there? He brought that earth there to be a holy mound for God in another land. Where sacrifices would be given to the true God and not to the false gods. And where he, even though he lived there, he lived by faith in the God who gathered him at the river Jordan. And so the prophecy of the little maid for the mighty man was fulfilled that day. He was gathered unto God from his leprosy at his baptism. And she was comforted by him. That little maid, she was comforted with a piece of the earth and the land that she would never see again, she thought. Annie and Mr. Warbucks? No, just the true story of a little maid and the mighty man that God gathered in, who in time made a house and a home for God in a foreign land. Father, as we bow our heads right now, we're by the River Jordan. And there's a man or woman here who needs to wash and be clean. Father, you know the person who's been striving with you, trying to follow you, but not do exactly what the prophets have said. But they do want to be clean. If you're that person in your life, no one's looking but God. Raise your hands. That's me, God. That's me. Lord, you see that hand going up. You said you require truth in the inner man or woman. And I pray, O oh Father, that as that hand goes up, that the other hand will go up when I ask this question. Do you want to be clean? Do you want to be washed? And say, Jesus, I choose by faith, not by power, but by faith to surrender to you. If you say that in your heart, just raise your other hand, raise both hands to God. Now, Father, you see those folks whose hands have been raised. You see the hearts that are in play. And, Father, I just pray if they need to be baptized, they will. They'll just come to us and we can do it and get it done. But, Father, may it be on your terms, not theirs, so that they can truly shine in your kingdom. Father, we leave this place needing to know that as Christian men and women, we're accepted. There are people here who struggle with acceptance in their lives, Lord. We all do at certain points in our life. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for the word of God that you lead us and that you discipline us. And I'm grateful, God, that you have a future that's good for your people. And without arrogance, without presumption, may everyone here who has faith in Jesus trust Jesus to get them through the end. I end this prayer by saying thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And if you do call right now for a donation of any size, Pastor Mike would like to give you a book entitled Satisfied, How God Can Meet." your deepest needs. Visit the website, reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Tanko. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you do have the means to bless us with a little larger gift of 500 to to $1,000, it would particularly help us right now to continue to bring you these messages on this station. eight 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 two four four 244 hope That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.